Hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, we do not have an in. Oh, see, now we skipped out. Internet's acting up, computer's acting up. I don't have an intro for you today, so I'm going to start early with, 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 with my spiel so we can get moving. Anyway, my guest today is W.T. Watson. We're going to be talking about the Canadian Bigfoot or Sasquatch and other cryptids. But anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. We are 45 strong up in L.A. State, <clears throat> which means my allergies are bad. No, which means that we can help you. The only issue is it may take us a while. Hang on, let me get this my one. Because California is a huge state, so it may take us a while to help you, but we will be there to help you. In fact, we have uh, psychics on staff who can call you ahead of time, call you ahead of time, and maybe settle things down until we get out there. And what I'm talking about with being late to get out there, I'm talking two or three days before we get out there. Okay. Anyway, uh, if you're watching from Facebook today, which I hope you are, please be sure to hit the follow button if you haven't done so already. If you're watching from YouTube today and you like what you see, please be sure to hit that subscribe button. Also, um, be sure to hit those thumbs up, the hearts, and the happy faces and all that on both Facebook and YouTube because what that does is it, put, it puts us up higher in the algorithm. And that means more people get to, get to see the show. Okay? So uh, please be sure to do that. I have a couple of announcements to make. I am teaching a second development class on Saturday, August 5th, and that's going to be at 6 p.m. Pacific. And it's a basic development class. It's going to teach um, how to open and close that psychic door, some meditation techniques to do that. You can visit your, uh, your spiritual library. You can visit your spiritual animal. You, know, you can talk to your spirit guides and all that stuff. I'll teach you all how to do that. And then we're going to take a look at different... Um, different types of psychics and how they operate and you just might be fall under you know a different category so we're going to be doing that uh that'll be that uh, saturday august 5th at i think six o'clock check us out over at the california haunts meetup page and sign up over there also starting august 1st i'm going to be doing daily meditations so uh i'm kind of, kind of putting a club together for that and that's also available on the meetup there's 10 spots open for that so if you feel like you would like to meditate because i mean it helps with your sound you know your mind and your health and everything and maybe you're stressed out. It does help with that. So uh, if you want to sign up for that, again, go to the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team Meetup. All right. That being said, we are broadcasting tonight on Facebook, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. And for those over at TikTok, come on over. And uh, that's YouTube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. So I've had a huge fascination with Sasquatch. And anybody that knows me, you know, how I've grown up and everything, this is what I've done. I've, I've read everything I get my hands on uh, ever since I was like seven or eight years old. And so I have this huge, huge thing about it. My, my guest tonight, W.T. Watson, um, is in, lives in Canada. And he's been studying not only Sasquatch, but some of the cryptids in Canada as well. So uh, he'll be on a minute or so here to talk about that. So it's been a weird day. And uh, Sunday, the, the book I read on Sunday, um, there was a warning in the, in, in the foreword about... Maybe putting some some extra protection stuff. I kind of did that. I didn't do it fully, and I can honestly say I don't know if it's coincidence, but this week has been hell with the computer. Everything that can go wrong has. Just like today, I kept getting messages that the mic was disconnecting from from my web browser, which it isn't because I can see the mic's working perfectly. You know, or things like that, or the camera disconnects. Um, I was working on the graphics for today's show. Didn't get to those today at all. Uh, didn't get them done in time. That's why there's no intro because I kept having trouble with the computer. But like I said, it's been like this all week. So I suspect that it's it could be due to that book. So I'm going to have to do some cleansing and stuff around here. Okay. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest in. And he can tell you about himself. And we'll get the show on the road. Here we go. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? Great. How are you? I wasn't sure that you could see me because it sounded like you were having some technical difficulties there. I was. And it, this is driving me crazy. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you believe, ghost-wise or what, but the book, I, I always do a paranormal book reading on Sunday. And the lady that wrote the book put it forward in there saying, well, a lot of people have had to cleanse their houses after reading this book. You know, and that, that you should put protection up. So I thought I'd put enough protection up. And like I said, ever since then, my computer has been a whack job. So, well, 
So we clear and cleanse this show of all disharmonic and gross energies at this time. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And just a quick warning is I think there's a big news thing going on because my internet's been wonky. Everybody in my neighborhood has um, Xfinity. So they all get on at once. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, and I will warn you that we're having thunderstorms here in Kitchener right now. So if I go off suddenly, uh, you know, I may have lost power. Uh, we had Absolutely. a... a we had a a bit of a, a, a power outage earlier, and hopefully everything's passed and we'll be all good now. Sounds so, good. Tell me about you, sir. Okay, so you know, I'm one of those uh, one of those people who's been a weirdo since he was a kid, <laughs> and I'm I'm 62 now. So uh, my interest in the paranormal, uh, basically in Fortiana, uh, started when I was probably seven or eight years old, uh, when my father actually told me about his UFO sighting. Um, when he was a, a younger man serving in the Air Force in San Bernardino, California, um, mm -hmm. or in that area, he uh, actually was driving home one night uh, with a friend in the car and had a full-on uh, encounter with a cigar-shaped craft that floated down over the road where he was, purple portals along the sides and, and the mm -hmm. whole schmear. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he told this story over and over again throughout my lifetime, and I never heard it change. You know, so I, I have to believe it's one of the things that actually did happen to him. Um, about that same time, uh, I happened to, to wander across a Ripley's Believe It or Not comic book um, about ghosts uh, and hauntings. And uh, that those two things work together to uh, really stoke a lifelong passion in, in, in the 40 and the paranormal, all that stuff. Um, I got into Sasquatch a little bit later. Um, I was probably sixth grade or so. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, being one of those kids who, who uh, had the, uh, the advanced reading level, um, I went to my, my local library and pulled a copy of Ivan Sanderson's Abominable Snowman <laughs> and read all six or 700 pages of that. Um, and I've, I've tried to keep up on what's going on in Sasquatch lore, um, you know, throughout the years because I, I find it fascinating, uh, along with a lot of the other cryptozoological stuff. Uh, I'm really, uh, I'm a big fan of Linda Godfrey's Dogman stuff. Uh, rest her, mm -hmm. may she rest in peace. Um, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a generalist. You know, a lot of people in, in these fields like to specialize in something, you know, it's, right. it's all about Sasquatch or it's all about Dogman or it's all about ghosts or it's mm -hmm. all about UFOs or, they got their little silos. Um, I love it all. Um, and I find it all fascinating. Um, and, uh, you know, you're talking about ghosts, uh, I've, you know, had, had my, um, ex experiences in spiritualist churches going to drumming circles and things. So, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I'm just an overall weirdo. So, um, I, I enjoy all this stuff. I think my big intro with, uh, Sasquatch was we, we we visited Mount Mount Rainier one year. Oh wow! Yeah, and we were, we went to the far as you could go, you know, as far as in the car. Went to this bookstore, and that's where I saw my first Sasquatch book. Okay. And I've been hooked ever since. And I must have been all the way to nine. I was like, you know, yeah, more of an advanced reader, so I was reading all this stuff. So that happened, and then like I like I tell people, my house is very active, actively haunted. So it's been like that forever. So here I am, you know. Um, when you, when you do research, because, you know, we don't hear a lot here in California, we don't hear a lot about the Canadian Sasquatch because, you know, we, we've got our own Sasquatch thing. Going right. On. So tell me a little bit about the, the research on that and, and how far back do the stories go? Oh my goodness. Um, almost, well, pretty much to the founding of, of Canada. <laughs> um, so and this was one of the things that prompted the book in the first place. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there is a very strong bias in, uh, you know, the Sasquatch community, I guess, mm -hmm. um, toward that Pacific Northwest area. So mm -hmm. British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, you know, Northern California on down. 
um, and even some stuff in Southern California, from what I understand. Um, <clears throat> you know, so when I moved to Canada in 2020, <laughs> which is an interesting uh, experience all in itself, I moved to Canada in the middle of, a, I, I made a cross-border international move in the middle of a global pandemic, wow. uh, which is an extremely interesting experience and one I don't care to repeat again. <laughs> um, but um, so when I moved here, um, I had just published um, a, a, either Phantom Black Dogs or Mysteries in the Mist. I, I, I think I just published Mysteries in the Mist when I moved up here. Um, and, or maybe shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. And I was casting around for another uh, topic to, to look at. And I thought, well, you've just planted yourself in Canada. Um, let's see what kind of strangeness happens. It, mm -hmm. You know, it has happened in Canada. So uh, that led to a book called Canadian Monsters and Mysteries. Um, and as I was doing the research for that book, which has a whole schmear of, of things ranging from UFOs to uh, fire spooks. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's lots of interesting stuff in that one too. Uh, as I was doing the research for that, I, I quickly came to the conclusion there were some things that I was going to have to leave out. And one of those things was Sasquatch because the, sus the, the subject was so huge that mm -hmm. there was just no way that I could cover it, you know, without doing a book all its own. Um, so I set, set that aside, finished Canadian Monsters and Mysteries and came back to the Sasquatch thing. And, you know, there's been plenty of research done in British Columbia. Um, so I, I, my premise for the book for Sasquatch Canada was, okay, so uh, obviously there are Sasquatch reports and sightings and so forth in, Can in uh, British Columbia. What about the rest of Canada? <clears throat> And so I got on the, the databases and, and all the different uh, places that you can find uh, information about Sasquatch, including some uh, Canadian authors. Uh, a guy named John Worms was invaluable to my research. Um, and discovered that, you know, British Columbia isn't the only place that has Sasquatches. They're everywhere in Canada. And, you know, I, fa I found... Sasquatch sightings, or at least historical Sasquatch accounts in all of the provinces in Canada, except for Nunavut, um, which is a fairly new province and which is uh, very sparsely populated. So may have something to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I started digging into this stuff and there were so many reports from places like the BFRO, uh, you know, um, Tom Steenberg's book on Sasquatch in Alberta, John Worms's books on, uh, you know, crypto cryptids in, in uh, Manitoba and, and right. lots of other sources. I mean, if you look at the bibliography of the book, there's just tons of places that I found found information. Um, you know, I've discovered there's literally hundreds of, of sightings outside of British Columbia, um, including you know, a number of sightings in the province that I live in, Ontario. Um, everybody says, oh, Ontario, that's where Toronto is, right? Yeah, but what you don't realize when you start to look at Canadian stuff is that the vast majority of people in this country live within an hour and a half, two hours of the U.S. border. And once you get past that area, you have hundreds of thousands of miles of wilderness with very few people in it. Um, we the Canadians actually managed to lose a, a megafauna species for 20 or 30 years um, back in the early 1900s. Um, there was the claim that the wood bison had gone extinct up here. Now the wood bison is the largest land animal in North America. They're hard to miss. Um, it's by weight. Uh, of course, moose are taller. Uh, we have those up here too. <laughs> But uh, they were declared extinct in the early 1900s. 1957, a, um, I believe it was an Alberta parks officer was making a flight from one place to the other, looked down into the forest, and there was a whole herd of them. Wow. So wow. they had missed these guys for like 30 or 40 years. Um, it, it, that gives you some idea how vast the Canadian wilderness is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can drive two hours from my house right now and be in dense woodland um 
Uh, I've driven from here to Ancaster, which is a, a suburb of Hamilton. And um, there are sections that you drive through as you're going to Ancaster from here from Kitchener that are so dense that, you know, I could hide <laughs> I could hide several Sasquatch in there without any trouble at all. Um, so it's one of the things that that people maybe don't realize is that there is this vast, it's the second car, second largest country in the world that mm-hmm. has the longest coastline in the world. And, you know, there's just vast swaths of it that are, are practically uninhabited. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's prime uh, real estate for, you know, an unknown creature of some kind, whatever a Sasquatch is. Um, and, and that's, that was kind of what I was trying to get across in this book is just there's this vast country and mm-hmm. there are plenty of people that have seen these creatures um, in many, many of the, of the provinces. And there's lots of, of information there if you're, you know, if you go digging for it. <laughs> what sightings, you know, in, 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 in doing the research and everything on this book, what sightings have, have stood out to you? And uh, is, there, is there like a pattern or anything like that? Well, uh, you know, I mean, probably the typical Sasquatch sighting, um, you know, if you could call a, a Sasquatch sighting typical, I mean, because, you know, you see an unknown animal, that's not a typical occurrence, but, uh, or whatever Sasquatch is, I, I'm, I'm very open-minded about, uh, about that. Uh, and I talk about both and thinking in the book. Um, but, um, you know, your typical Sasquatch sighting, whether it's in the United States or Canada or whatever, somebody's driving down the road um, and they see this creature along the side of the road. Um, that's that's the t- typical sighting. And there are so many of those in Canada that I actually wrote a separate chapter of the book about roadside sightings <laughs> because there's tons of them. They happen all the time. Um, some of which are, are really interesting. There's a, there was a, um, a sighting from, I believe it was the 60s or 70s, a young man who was riding in the back of his parents' Cadillac um, here in Ontario, uh, not too far from where I live in Kitchener. Um, they were uh, driving down a road. There was an embankment along the side of the road. Um, And as they were coming up to a stop sign, this young man is looking out the back as the brake lights come on, and there's a Sasquatch crossing the road behind him. Whoa. Um, And he, you know, this makes me wonder, you know, I mean, we hear a lot of times about the Sasquatch crossing the front of the car or walking along the side of the car. It's like, how many sightings are missed because the Sasquatch waited until a car went by and then they crossed the street? Wow. Um, So I, I found that one, that one you know, was, was interesting just from the standpoint of well, how many sightings actually get missed mm-hmm. because we weren't looking at our rearview mirror uh, or, you know, there wasn't anybody in the back seat who could see that. And so of course this young man was in his teens and, you know, he's like, look, look, there's that. You know? And his parents, you know, Oh, you saw a bear or whatever. It's a very right. common, common thing with, with witnesses. Um, probably the, the sighting that stands out the most for me, um, if I had to, to pick one that, that really kind of uh, would grab your attention, and there are several in the book. I mean, there are all kinds of witnesses, some of whom are police officers, um, you know, people, you know, respected members of their communities. But this particular witness was a, um, a member of the Canadian Armed Forces, and not only was he a member of the Canadian Armed Forces, he was a special operations person. And not only was he a member, not only was he a special operator, he was also an experienced bow hunter. Okay, so this guy knew the woods, uh, you know, was very familiar with, with navigating in the woods, was very familiar with the animals in the woods. This is not somebody who's just, you know, like wandered into the forest and saw a bear and freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um in this particular sighting, which happened uh, in Wainwright or close to Wainwright in Alberta, um, this uh, gentleman and his uh, uh, partner were uh, on maneuvers. Um, they were uh, in a, a training session, basically, uh, in that area. Their whole battalion was there. And this person had a uh, uh, was kind of a second specialization in electronics. 
And he and his partner were out looking for a piece of equipment. Now, this was back in the 80s before GPS was real, you know, was really a thing, right? Uh -huh. So they had a map. Yeah, and uh, they had map coordinates for where this, this equipment was supposed to be, and they went looking for this piece of equipment. So they're driving around in their camouflage truck, uh, looking around, uh, driving along and uh, logging roads and so forth, trying to find this piece of equipment that was out in the, out in the woods somewhere. They stopped, and uh, his partner had the map spread out on the, on the hood of the car and, or the, the truck and was looking you know, to see where they were in relation to these coordinates. And he wasn't really paying attention. He was looking off at a, you know, a, a cut line where um, the power poles go through. Uh -huh. um, he saw a deer out there. He said, oh, wow, there's a deer. He was about to call his attention, his partner's attention to it. When the Sasquatch comes out of the woods and this creature comes out of the woods on all fours, comes to two legs, takes the deer and rotates its head 180 degrees, flings it over his shoulder and disappears into the woods, just like that. Wow. Um, the soldier describes it, he's, he, he served in Africa. He described it as like watching a cheetah move. It's how fast this thing was. It was just there and gone. I mean, so fat he didn't have time to say to his partner, "Hey, look, there's a Sasquatch." There, it was gone. It was gone. Um, he described it, you know, in the typical way, you know, no neck, built like a linebacker. You know, I mean, it, you know, it was very clearly, it was not a bear. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, this guy knows what a bear looks like, and you know, it, it was it was not a bear. The interesting thing about this story is that there's a prequel to it. Um, this same soldier uh, was doing uh, another training exercise with his, uh, with his group uh, in um, uh, northern Ontario. Mm -hmm. And uh, this time he didn't have a visual sighting, but he actually, he was on security patrol that night. Um, you know, they were taking watches and it was his watch. And uh, there were sounds like uh, talking coming from the woodland. And of course, you know, it was his job. He challenged whoever it was out there. Now, the interesting thing about this is that, you know, it's like, okay, well, he was out in the woods. And there were some people there. It was like minus 20. You know, and they were in a very isolated area. There is no reason why any person in their right mind would be outside in a Canadian winter with the wind blowing that cold, uh, you know, unless they had a really good reason for it. Um, but he heard basically the way he describes it brought to mind the, the, the whole samurai chatter thing that, that happens in the, uh, the Sierra sounds. Sure. Um, in fact, he, he, did, he, he felt like, there were people speaking Japanese indistinctly off in the woods somewhere, but you know, he couldn't like make out individual words or any of that right. kind of stuff, just the way it sounded to him. So he'd had this prequel experience and then he has a visual sighting. Um, so that's one, uh, one of the sightings that really sticks out for me. Um, you know, I, there's, there's so many in the book. It's it's really hard to say. Oh well, this was my this was the best sighting, or you know, I mean, because but that one really sticks out there. You know, there's a story also of a Toronto police officer who was out hunting moose, um, who has a, a very close quarter uh, kind of encounter with a Sasquatch down in a creek bed. Um, again, you know, this is a guy. You know, he, obviously his his report is anonymous because he's not going to tell his cohorts that he saw a Sasquatch. Right. Uh, if you've ever, ever hung out with cops, you know that he would have gotten teased unmercifully for something like that. So in Canadian Monsters and Mysteries, there's a, there's a story about a cop who saw a kangaroo <laughs> in a, a, one of the, like Hamilton or, or one of the, the suburbs of Toronto. And, um, you know, again, anonymous report, not something he's going <laughs> to report to anybody. <laughs> 
But um, so, you know, there are tons and tons. Of, and the thing that strikes me about the witnesses for a lot of these sightings um, is it, that the people that see these things yeah. First of all, there's a significant number of people who report these sightings are, are indigenous people. And, uh, you know, particularly up here, um, these folks make a living off the land. Um, they trap and they hunt to feed their families and to supplement their incomes. They know the woods. They know the woodland. They know the animals there. And they know that there's something walking around out there that doesn't look like anything else they've ever seen. Um, by the same token, there are a, a lot of the non-roadside sightings in, in, in Canada are hunters, um, you know, or outdoors people who are out in the wilderness all the time, very familiar, again, very familiar with the local wildlife um, who see something they can't explain. Uh -huh. um, so you, you've got to believe these, uh, you know, you've got to believe that these people are seeing something, you uh -huh. know, now what it is, is open to conjecture, but they're seeing something. Um, if I can give one more story, Absolutely. Uh, one of my, my, one of my other favorite stories, you know, a lot of times when you, you, you listen to the Sasquatch radio programs and stuff like that, you know, Sasquatch are big and mean and, and snarly and, you know, they're driving you out of their territory and they're, they're just nasty. Right. Um, there's a story from, um, Dauphin Lake, uh, the Cree community there, the indigenous community there. I believe they were Cree. Yeah. Um, about a young woman, uh, well, young girl at, at that time, uh, her name was Carrie. And John Worms tells a story in his book, Strange Creatures Seldom Seen, uh, which is a wonderful book about Canadian cryptids written by a Canadian, uh, which I strongly recommend. Uh, but Dauphin Lake is a, you know, is a reserve area for indigenous people in, uh, in Manitoba. It's very remote. And at the, at the time that this particular story happened, um, they didn't even have running water. Um, so this girl's name was Carrie and her job, you know, one of her jobs, she was, um, I believe she was 11, uh, but don't quote me on that. Um, she was young. Uh, her, one of her jobs was to take buckets down to the, to the river or the creek and uh, fill uh, water buckets and bring them back to the house so that they could have water uh, for cooking and, and whatever else. Mm -hmm. Well, it's berry season. Um, and anybody who follows Sasquatch lore knows that Sasquatch like berries. Mm -hmm. um, so it's berry season. Um, and this young lady decides that she's going to, uh, to pick some berries on her way home. Mm -hmm. She made two mistakes. Uh, one is she wandered off of her usual path um, in pursuit of berries. Mm -hmm. And the two was when she realized that she was lost, um, she panicked and she started to run. And she ran herself right into the forest and got completely lost. Mm. Um, so this is a young girl, very familiar with the local wildlife, scared out of her wits because night's coming and she knows there are bears and, and other things that, you know, mm. could potentially cause her harm. Uh, so she keeps running, you know, which, you know, if you are a search and rescue person, you know, you know, that one of the things that, you tell people over and over and over again is if you get lost, stay put. If you can, as long as it's safe, stay put. Right. right. She didn't stay put. Um, she ended up sleeping on moss and eating berries and, and, and running through the woods for several days. Um, and the only reason that she didn't collapse uh, early on is she did have the presence of mind to keep, you know, eating berries and, and, and trying to, to keep her strength up. Um, but she was, coming to the end of a rope. Um, so you laid down uh, of an evening. It was, you know, it, if you've ever been in really thick forest at night, it is dark. <laughs> it is really, really dark. Even if the moon is full, 
with the canopy overhead, it is super, super dark under there. Um, as she's laying there, you know, catching a few fitful Zs, she hears a noise and she realizes that there's an animal in the area. Hmm. And I'm sorry, she's not crazy. It was a Jibwe, as is actually the, the tribe. Um, <laughs> so she, she looks up at the, what, she basically says, okay, thinking that this is a bear, she says grandfather, which is a, a title of respect. She says, I, I realize that you're going to eat me. Please do it quickly and start with my head so I don't suffer. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind of brave of her, actually. But, but nothing happens. But she continues to hear something moving around her. Uh, there's some large animals or some large something uh, in the woods with her. And, uh, and it's close to her. And in fact, it gets so close to her that she could actually reach out and touch it. And she does. She puts a hand on this thing and it feels like Fever pelt, she says, uh, which I found interesting. Um, but she has still, it's so dark, she has no idea what, what this creature is, whatever mm -hmm. it is. But uh, as she touches the thing, it bumps her. And she thinks, oh boy, here it comes. You know, now, now I'm done for, right? She gets up and she starts to move a little bit. And it bumps her in the other direction. And she moves a little more, and as long as she keeps this creature on one side of her, it continues to let her continue along the path, but eventually it crosses over to the other side, and it wants her to go in the other direction. Ooh. And she's like, okay. So she's walking along. This thing is basically guiding her. Um, she, The sun starts to come up, and she realizes of a sudden that what she's following is not a bear. <laughs> um, it's large and it's standing on two legs and she goes and tries to hide from it. Mm -hmm. And it does a very characteristic Sasquatch thing. It stands behind a tree and looks out, out from behind the tree at her. Well, eventually she plucks up her courage and she starts moving off in the direction of the Sasquatch had indicated to her. And, uh, and it continues to do what, it's, what it was doing. And it, it's kind of hurting her along until she walks out into a clearing and realizes that she's standing in an area that the tribe had cleared for an airstrip. Huh. Um, wow. the, uh, you know, the only way you can get supplies in and out in a place like that is by air. Mm -hmm. uh, so they had, had cleared this area out as an airstrip. And as she comes out uh, of, of the wood line, she sees somebody coming down the road and recognizes some people that she knows. And, and they pick her up and take her home. Um, because she looks back at, you know, at the, the woods and of course the Sasquatch had disappeared. So she goes home and obviously she's been in the woods for however long she's all torn up. She's, you know, covered in bruises and scratches and, you know, she's a mess. And when she tells her story, they realize why this water buckets got left behind and so forth. But, of course, you know, her sisters decide that she's just fibbing, and they, they start calling her the girl who touched a bear, um, which probably makes a good Indian name in Ojibwe. I, I don't know. But, um, uh, and her parents are like, oh, yeah, whatever you say. <clears throat> and it's not until later that she starts to get input from some of the tribe, tribal members about this creature, the man who picked her up, this, this older man who picked her up when she first came out of the woods had actually gotten lost as a young man. Um, and had survived because the Sasquatch kept bringing him fish. Ooh. Yeah. So we hear about all these hostile encounters with Sasquatches being right. territorial and running people out of the woods and stuff. I, 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 I love this story because it's like, well, not always. Right. You know, uh, and, and in other research that I've done, I've actually encountered the Sasquatch stories where, you know, the creature lived in the neighborhood. The people knew that it lived in the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, when a father crashed his car, the creature actually picked, it, picked him up and bought him home. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, when we start to talk about these creatures, we have to realize that 
you know, there are probably some instances where, yes, their territorial may be around their young ones, right. you know, but, but they're, you know, and it may be that, you know, some Sasquatch are just grumpy, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. others maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a good example of, you know, a Sasquatch that wasn't grumpy and, you know, actually did something kind for somebody. And, and I love that story. That's you know, a great I story. To, yeah, I wanted to uh, I wanted to get that one out there because you hear so many stories about hostile Sasquatch. Because you know mm-hmm. it's kind of like with ghost hunting, everybody right. wants it. Everybody wants it to be a demon. You know, it must yeah, be. Yeah. You know, if it if it goes boo, it must be a demon. <laughs> yeah, that's about what it is now, too. <laughs> you know, yeah. Talk- well, don't get me going on that one. I've actually done a whole <laughs> presentation on you know it's not a demon, folks. Um, <laughs> But do you think, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, you brought it up. Do you think that the TV shows, because when I first started doing this 19 years ago, we'd go out, we'd do an investigation, and there was always somebody's uncle or grandpa or something in the house. But then as these TV shows have come out, more and more, you know, because, of course, the networks want want scares for everybody Mm -hmm. and all this, I found that the people that contact me don't even consider that it's a ghost. They consider mm-hmm. that it's a demon right away. Right away, it's a demon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you think the TV shows have, have played a big part of that? Oh, absolutely. Um, see, the problem is, in my view, um, and in a lot of people's view who are interested in the paranormal, mm-hmm. um, the problem is that the, the networks have basically filed your ghost hunting shows under, you know, reality horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the whole idea is to see if you can get some jump scares out of the audience. Sure. You know, what's the best way to do that? You know, if we're operating from a, you know, a Western European Judeo-Christian paradigm, you know, it's demons. You know, it Mm -hmm. shoved me, it pushed me, it pinched me, it's hostile, it must be a demon, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if you study folklore... Uh, then you quickly become, or, you know, if you've actually, if you study actual demonology, it quick, quickly becomes apparent to you that it's not demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it were, they'd be in a whole lot more trouble. Than they were. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah. Not to say that there are not uh, spiritual entities that do not have the highest good of humankind in mind Mm -hmm. and won't go out of their way to do something malicious. But um, there's a whole lot of other explanations before you get to that one. And, um, but that's something that, you know, the networks aren't interested in because they won't, uh, you know, they don't get the, uh, they don't get the same uh, scare factor Mm -hmm. um, from it being your uncle George or, you know, from a spontaneous outbreak of psychokinetic energy. Um, you know, they get the scare factor from it being demons and hostile hauntings and, and you know, boo, scary stuff. Um, yeah, I, I understand, you know, from an entertainment aspect why that's so, mm-hmm. but it doesn't do the folks like you who are out there doing uh, doing investigations on a regular basis, it doesn't do you any good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do you a lot of good um, because you have people who are uh, already freaking out because yep. they think they have a demon in their house. And so what happens is they're feeding whatever energy there is in their home, uh, this fear energy, you know, and it makes it stronger in a lot of cases. Um, you know, taking, setting aside the idea that, you know, you actually have a, you know, human spirit or whatever. There are a lot of other things that can haunt a house and some of them, you know, you know, if they can get a scare out of you and they can get that energy from you, they'll be happy to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the people that are, are experiencing these hauntings are actually, actually exacerbating their own problem. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of trying to take the bull by the horns and saying and set some limits and say, hey, look, you know, I mean, I'm willing to cohabit in this house with you as long as you're, you know, willing to abide by the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, stop swiping my stuff and putting it in the storage cabinet you know, or whatever. 
know? um, or we're going to have to take more extreme measures here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the the TV shows are are entertainment. You know, they're right. supposed to be entertainment. And, uh, you know, that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that they are entertained. They're not really meant to be educational. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes for, you know, whether you're talking about ghost shows or, or Bigfoot shows or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're out there trying to, to drum up some activity and, or, you know, talk to witnesses and whatever. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, the Bigfoot documentaries have probably done a little bit better job maybe mm -hmm. of, of presenting that phenomena than, than the ghost hunting shows. The ghost hunting shows have just gone, <laughs> gone off the deep end a little bit. Yes, uh, yes. <clears throat> yes. So let me ask you about Canada Sasquatch again. Um, are, there more, are there certain areas in Canada that are more, that the sightings are more frequent in, or is it, even I know in uh, California, we have a certain, I mean, even though we have a lot of mountains, you don't see as, as many things like a lot of the kind of Sonora, you don't get as many sighting reports that as you do up in Bluff Creek, you know, towards Oregon. Right, right. Uh, it's difficult to, I mean, there are some Sasquatch sort of hot spots, but remember how sparsely populated Canada is. Sure, sure. Um, again, you know, we're talking about a country that has a total population, you know, that would fit into one of your states. You know, I mean, it's, it's much, the, the total population of Canada is much less than say California, mm -hmm. um, much less. <laughs> you guys have way more people than we do. Um, but uh, you can identify some hot, uh, big horn uh, up around the, the big horn dam area was a hot spot in, uh, in Alberta. Um, I found uh, interestingly, because uh, I'm in Ontario and I'm about two and some hours away from this particular area, um, Algonquin Provincial Park in Ontario has a number of sightings in that in the area. Uh, kind of, kind of all the right. It's a huge. First of all, it's not you know it's not like a little park you know in the city or whatever. This thing is monstrous. Mm -hmm. It takes up a good section of central Ontario. Um, so, but all around uh, the outside and actually in the park, there have been, there have been um, sightings in, in, in that area. Uh, in fact, uh, the special operator that I was talking about earlier, his sighting was a little bit north of Algonquin Park, um, or his, uh, his uh, Class B encounter, I guess, uh, was a little north of Algonquin Park. Uh, so that, those are, are two areas that stick out. Um, there's a good number of sightings in the northern wooded sections of the prairie provinces like Alberta and Manitoba. There's a good number of sightings in Ontario all, all the way up from where I am, all the way, all the way north. Um, for some reason, Quebec doesn't seem to have quite as many sightings. But when you get over into the Maritimes, into places like Newfoundland and um, uh, New Brunswick and so forth, then you start to see the sightings pick up again. Um, but, you know, there are even sightings in Nova Scotia, which is basically an island. Um, so uh, there's not as many. You know, I mean, if you ask me about fairies, you know, mm -hmm. I tell you, oh, we'll go to Newfoundland. Yeah, you because know, right. that's the, the they're they're all about fairies there, <laughs> um, or Nova Scotia. Um, but Sasquatch seems to have a little bit uh, more um, wider distribution, I guess. And not as many uh, hotspot areas. When you look at the Sasquatches, what do you think they are, in your opinion? <laughs> this is a question that, and of course, this is a question that I get asked all the time because I've written a book about Sasquatches, right? Right. Um, I believe that there may be a number of explanations for Sasquatch. Um, I'm not averse to the idea that there is an actual physical creature out there. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, uh, we, we lost the wood bison in the woods of Canada for, you know, 
30 or 40 years. I mean, there's plenty of places that an unknown bipedal uh, ape or hominid could live uh, up here in Canada, um, you know, and in the United States, of course, but I'm, I'm writing about Canada. So that's sure. kind of what I think about. Yeah. Um, so I'm not averse to that idea. Um, however, as soon as you, because a lot of the sightings that you, you record when you write about this stuff, you know, if you substituted in bear for Sasquatch, um, you know, pretty much the same thing, right? Because um, right. it, it very much comes across as being an animal that lives in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very big animal. It's a very scary animal if you get too close to it. Uh, but, you know, it, it comes across for a lot of people as, as, as a wildlife encounter. Mm-hmm until something weird happens. Um, there's a section in the book called Stranger Stuff. Um, and um, there's some interesting phenomena that happen to some people. Uh, for instance, there's a sighting from Yellowknife where an indigenous fellow was driving along the, uh, this is in Northwest Territories. Um, indigenous, indigenous fellow was driving along uh, the road and saw Sasquatch walking along the side of the road, very typical roadside sighting, except that as he watched this creature, he had eyes on it the entire time. As he watched this creature, it faded, became translucent, and then completely disappeared. Now, physical animals don't do that. (laughs) And he was in a vehicle there was no sound. There was no, you know, because the, the, there, you know, are, are researchers who theorize that, you know, the disappearing Sasquatch is simply Sasquatch using infrasound to scramble people's brains and then jumping into the woods. This guy had his eyes on this thing as it as it did its thing. It just disappeared. There's also uh, an interesting thing. I'm, I'm not going to get in way into the weird stuff, but there, there's. Uh, um, there's the whole, like I said, there's a whole chapter about that and I'm writing a whole book about it. So, um, there's also a, uh, a, a sighting, um, and I'm thinking it was Manitoba. I'm not positive. A young man was at a, at a park with his family. Um, they were recreating, recreating in the river. Um, uh, they'd been splashing around all morning and, uh, it was time for lunch. Um, and, uh, you know, he wanted the first hot dog, so he was out of the river and on the path to to the picnic area. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he's walking along, you know, at a brisk pace, um, he comes across this creature crouched ne- next to a Saskatoon berry bush. Um, and uh, you know, it's obviously it's having a snack, right? It's picking berries. Um, <laughs> he's looking at this it's squatting and squatting this thing is easily four feet tall and massively wide you know no neck you know the very typical sasquatch description mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, he's he's thinking to my thinking to himself what am i seeing and he very clearly hears in his mind you don't see me. I'm not here. Wow. And he's like, no, 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 I'm looking at you. What am I looking at? And he hears this again. You don't see me. I'm not here. And he's like, but I do see you. And this thing stands up. And of course it's like eight feet tall. (laughs) And he's like, Oh my God, I'm going to (laughs) die. But it makes this, odd sound uh, kind of a, a woofling growling sound and and he beats feet he's you know he's gone and the creature takes off toward toward a creek um but you know he very you know there's there's no doubt in his mind that this creature had telepathic contact with him mm-hmm. again that's not something physical <laughs> do most of the time right 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 Um, yeah so there's a couple of examples of the weirdness that surrounds sasquatch so i 
kind of take a, a you know the view that Sasquatch could be a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite is you know something that I read in uh, Linda Godfrey uh, from a uh, an indigenous elder who told her, well, you know, this is a creature that walks between worlds. You know, it lives in, you know, the other world sometimes. And when it comes into our world, it manifests physically as a physical thing that leaves tracks and all that kind of stuff. And then when it's done, it goes back, you know, which would explain a lot of those trackways where the trackway ends in the middle of a cornfield and nobody can figure out where the Sasquatch went. And they have to resort to things like, oh, well, it stepped backward in its tracks. It's like, come on. Really? Um, I guess that could happen. But um, so, you know, I, I tend to think of it, uh, tend to think of Sasquatch as kind of a walker between the worlds who actually uh, has a physical presence here. So when you see this thing, it is actually physically there and it mm -hmm. is actually physically able able to interact with its environment and so forth. But mm -hmm. it has the ability to return to, to where it came from. That's one explanation. Another explanation is that some people may uh, be wandering into sections of the woodland that spike their psychic ability. Maybe it's a high, oh, yeah. high EMF area, and they're seeing reflections from the past. You know, we know that there was a giant ape, a Gigantopithecus, that uh, you know, not too long ago was indigenous to Asia, could have come across the land bridge. You know, they may be seeing a reflection from the past. Mm -hmm. There could be Sasquatch that are, are, are coming through uh, time slips. Right. You know, same thing, you know, the Gigantopithecus or whatever that's coming through a time slip. Um, you know, Greg and Dana Newkirk have theorized that Sasquatch is a ghost. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because a lot of these sightings, people see these things. It's a it's a full body apparition, obviously. Sure. But, uh, you know, they don't get close enough to touch it or, or any of that kind of stuff. They just see it and then they leave or it leaves or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, what we have to do when we examine any of these topics is we have to get out of our silo. You know, um, we have to be true Fordians and accept that there's just a lot of weird crap out there, you know, and there, you know, there may be a whole bunch of explanations for a particular phenomena, whether we're talking about Sasquatch or UFOs or, you know, any of those kinds of things. <clears throat> so, you know, my favorite is, you know, He's a world walker and he comes and goes as he pleases. But there's a whole lot of other things ranging from that physical, biological uh, creature, which, you know, I mean, if somebody puts a, a Sasquatch, you know, in, in a zoo somewhere or whatever, that's not going to cure, you know, all those people who've had really weird encounters with Sasquatch. It's just going to show that, yes, there is an actual creature out there, too maybe a spirit mimicking the actual creature. <laughs> you know, so I mean, we can, there's, there's so many explanations that we can use. Um, we just don't know, you know, and, and that's the thing is, is you have to, when you're in these kinds of uh, uh, exploring these kinds of mysteries, you have to have a really high tolerance for mystery. Because mm -hmm. um, if you don't, <laughs> you're going to be frustrated. <laughs> Well, just like, you know, some of the reports from, you know, the Sierra Sounds where uh -huh. those guys have seen, like, the blue light. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or the blue orb, you uh -huh. know, and then he disappears, reappears after it. So, uh -huh. who knows? I kind of had the thought pattern, too, that, you know, I want to stretch this out a little bit. You know, like, the extraterrestrials doing tests on us. And I always thought about this, that maybe all these Sasquatches that we're seeing were early tests that they did. Hmm. Possible. And then they sent them back, you know, because they didn't know what else to do with them. So who knows, you know? <laughs> or, or, you know, you have Stan Gordon's, uh, you know, uh, if you've read any of his work from, from Pennsylvania, you know, I mean, there have been any number of uh, uh, close encounter sightings where you had UFOs and Sasquatch in the same area. Um, they could be dropping them off. Sure. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Um, it depends on what you think UFOs are, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. you know, um, 
And, uh, you know, I saw, again, you know, there's the people that are like, oh, well, no, it must be this. Mm -hmm. you, know, I, you know, even if it is that, it can also be this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And this, and this. <laughs> yeah. And my mind prefers to be open to all these possibilities um, instead of trying to, to prove that it's one particular thing. Right, um, right. Because I think when you start to get into that whole proving it thing, you start to get into the whole scientific materialist mindset, you know, and, and you know, it ruins the, the mystery of life. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I really do think that, you know, people having these encounters, um, a certain percentage of them are having initiatic experiences. This is opening them to the other world. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, it's, it's, it's blowing their, basically it's blowing their paradigm for them mm -hmm. um, so that they can begin to, to form a new paradigm. And it may be Sasquatch, it may be a UFO, it may be a ghost, it may be, you know, some other cryptid, it could be a dog man, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, the people who are having these experiences, we don't have rites of passage anymore in right. this culture. Yeah, so I think a certain percentage of people are having a rite of passage when they have one of these encounters, um, and and they're uh, they're awakening to something more. Mm -hmm. Do you think? And I know Canada is really wide open. So is California, a lot of places. Mm -hmm. But do you ever? Do you think? Because I mean, it's not only Canada and California and Oregon where people see this thing. Like you say, they're seeing they're seeing things like you know Montana and different places like I mean, all all over the U.S. all over the world really. Sure. Do you think there's ever going to be a time that somebody actually is able to document one, a scientist, or you know, so somebody's going to bring one in or whatever? Well, like I said, I'm I'm not averse to the idea that there's an actual physical creature. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to put money on somebody bringing in a uh, bipedal hominid. Um, I think I'd go with Indonesia and I'd go with the Orang Pendek. Um, I think that, you know, which is not a Sasquatch, but it's a bipedal, uh, ape-like creature, yes. um, that, you know, uh, habitates those islands. Um, I think my, and this may just be intuitive sense, but my sense of those reports is that, uh, there's some physical creature there, um, you know, kind of like, you know, there was reports of the orangutan before it actually was, was proven to exist. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, if, if somebody didn't come out with a, a live, uh, orang or, or dead orang pendek, mm -hmm. um, that would be, I think probably the most likely, uh, scenario, but, uh, you know, again, I know there are people out in the woods, probably as I speak, you know, with their high-powered rifles who are gunning for Sasquatch. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, there may come a time when they get one. You know, that wouldn't blow my theories up at all. I'd just say, okay, well, yeah, there's a physical creature that's, that, that is the basis for all this other weird stuff that's going on. Right. Because um, obviously, you know, some of the, the encounters that people are having with what they take to be Sasquatch anyway, mm -hmm. are, you know, are more paranormal in nature. Um, you know, I mean, cause a live, you know, two legged hominid ape or whatever doesn't just disappear. Right. 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 <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't discount the possibility that it could happen. Like I said, I think that probably the most likely place for it to happen would be someplace like Indonesia. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it could. Uh, if it did, can you imagine the backlash? Because now we would have a population of uh, intelligent uh, bipedal hominids or apes living in the North American wilds who are probably uh, an endangered species. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, 
this would blow the wood owl or the uh, the what is it this the spotted owl right out of the water as oh. far as as conservationists going nuts because um, then you would have a whole movement of trying to preserve these creatures right um, so that could be fun right <laughs> absolutely so what's next for you sir um, right now I am working on uh, a follow-up to Sasquatch Canada. Um, it's not specific to Canada, but um, I'm looking at the interface between basically Sasquatch and paranormal, specifically these class B uh, encounters that we see so much of in, uh, you know, like BFRO databases and so forth, where people are reporting, you uh, you know, rock throwing and stone throwing and, you know, pine cones being thrown at them and okay. sounds and tracks and, uh, you know, this whole variety of, uh, of, of um, uh, phenomena, but they're not actually seeing a Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, another podcaster that I was talking to and I've had uh, conversations with mentioned one time that if you took all of this stuff that people are having happening to them in the woods mm -hmm. and you put it in somebody's house, you'd have poltergeist. That's case. right. Yeah. Would. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at that. Uh, and uh, it's, I've been way down the rabbit hole on poltergeists and, and uh, you know, physical hauntings and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, it's, uh, it's really, really interesting, the parallels that you see between these two phenomena when you start to look at it. So that's, that's where I'm headed next. Um, that book's due to the publisher in November and mm -hmm. then uh, probably be out around Christmas or New Year. Um, and after that, I'm not sure. <laughs> How can people find you, sir? Um, I'm I'm on all of the well, not all of the. I'm on three of the the big social media sites. I'm on Facebook. Um, uh, there's a WT Watson author page. Um, I'm on Twitter at WT Watson two, and I am on Instagram. This is the weird one because it's an old account of mine. Um, Coronier C U R U N I R six zero. Um, and you can find me on any of those. I, I don't Instagram as much as I do Facebook and Twitter um, because I just don't have a lot of pictures to share. <laughs> but every once in a while, you know, it's a, I'll do book covers or, or those kinds of things. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, you reached me, I think, through Facebook. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so I'm always happy to hear from people. Um, you know, if you have... Uh, if you have reports or, you know, if you're interested in having me on your podcast, um, I'm, I'm happy to do those things. So Fantastic. I want to thank you for coming tonight. I appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate the, the opportunity. I'm fascinated by the Sasquatch. And the more stories I hear, the more fascinated I get. I'd love yep. to have you back on to talk ghosts. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not a, a ghost hunter, but yeah. um, I... Definitely an opinionated so-and-so. So there you go. <laughs> love, to, love to do that sometime. Sounds good. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your evening, sir. And thank you so much. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Take care. That was fun. I love talking Bigfoot. Always have. Sasquatch Bigfoot. Have I had an encounter? No. But I know people who have. And so it's, it's really interesting to talk with people. Anyhow, tomorrow we're shifting gears back into our psychic realm. Nancy Matz, it's Nancy Matz Friday, and she's going to be with us talking about relationships. So we're going to be uh, here at our usual time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Hopefully the Internet settled down and the computers decide to be good. Uh, so that's that. So I want to thank you all for coming. And again, if you're watching from Facebook today and, and, and you like what you heard and you haven't done so already, please feel free to uh, follow. We're always looking for followers. Also, give me some thumbs up, show me some love, some hearts, some smileys. Uh, like I said, it puts us higher in the algorithm, so, so Facebook puts us out there more. Same thing with YouTube. If you like what you see and you haven't done so already, there's 630-odd videos over there that we've done in the last three years. And so there's a little something for everybody, and I'm sure if you look through them, you'll find topics that you like. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. 
because it doesn't cost anything to subscribe over there and you'll be notified when we're ready to run these videos. In fact, the stuff that didn't get run on YouTube last week because I was in jail, I'm going to be uploading those tomorrow and uh, so you guys can do some catch-up for, for the YouTube people that haven't seen those yet. So you guys can do some catch-up this week or this week or whatever. Okay, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemy. We're our equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. You know, we're just trying to work to get the word out, and uh, you guys have done great, really great. Everybody on the RSS feed, everybody at this end, have done wonderful for that. But I want to thank you all, and I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. So here we go. Let me close it out. Again, I don't have information on him because of all the Internet stuff, that, uh, the Internet and computer stuff that was going on today. So, all right, here we go. I'll see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m.